Hello everyone, welcome back to The Deep, the San Jose Sharks coverage podcast. Uh, this week we're going to be going over a decent amount of topics actually. We're going to be going over Mikey Isamont, the two trades that the Sharks and Barracuda made yesterday, and their great showing last night against Dallas. So first off with Mikey Isamont, um, you know when they brought him in I was, I was looking at his stats. Coming out of college he had good stats in NCAA D1. In AHL, he had some decent stats, but in the in the NHL, not a whole lot of promise, and I was a little little confused on their move, but I figured, like, well, you know, maybe they're just trying to, to change things up or change things up, bring in a new guy, get the lines shifted up, you know, maybe he's a better fourth-line guy, and though he, he only has one assist so far, uh, he's actually been playing really well for the Sharks. He's getting physical. He's getting in there, and he's not a super big body either, but that does not that that does not really stop him at all, and I think that's a good role model for Eklund and Borgelo, who are both you know smaller bodies. But I mean, in in the AHL, especially Borgelo, really tearing it up right now. Eklund's starting to heat up as well, and I think if they can see Isomont, you know, look and see that he's a small guy and he's still getting in there and making things happen. Hopefully, they can get in there and make things happen in the NHL, and that will be huge for the Sharks because they are both super high-end prospects that I think all Sharks fans are excited and looking forward to. So, uh, yeah, overall, Mikey Isamont, like I said, a little shaky with him at the start, but as time went on, uh, definitely happy to see him doing well with the Sharks. It's a bummer since he's knocking out Svechnikov and Gregor for a bit, although Gregor played in the past two games. He looks solid, potentially a, a trade going out of San Jose for Gregor, which we will talk about next week. But, yeah, you know, it's a bummer seeing him knock out Svechnikov. I think Svechnikov was doing fine for the Sharks, too. But I think that's kind of what Quinn is, is trying to establish, how especially for those lower end guys, if you want to be on the team, if you want to, if you want to show that that you belong, you truly got to do show that you belong. You got to put in the work. You got to show that you're, you know, maybe you won't be producing as much, but you're willing to be a grinder and do the dirty work and you know clear up space for Hurdle and Meyer and Couture and Carlson. And I think that Iceman's been doing that pretty well. Uh, second topic of the episode is the two trades, uh, both of them came from the Sharks to the Red Wings, or on the AHL level, the Barracuda to the Grand Rapids, Gra- <laughs> whoops, Grand Rapids Griffins to the, uh, uh, being the Red Wings AHL affiliate. Uh, you know, I, I was a little confused with the trade, uh, sending away Weatherby. I, I, I really like Weatherby. I, you know, it, especially last year, being a fourth-line guy, he, he looked solid. Uh, he was definitely not producing this year for the Sharks, or sorry, not, not, not the Sharks, the Cuda, with only six points in 33 games, uh, definitely looking a, a little slow <laughs> than, than where the Sharks would want him, considering he was producing just as much in the NHL last year, but I, I think it was because there was a, a change of pace, you know, going from the NHL to the AHL, it's not a, it, it's not a huge change of, change of pace, but it is just enough that, you know, it, it can throw off your game, and just throw off everything, and all of a sudden you're not producing like you want to, and your club's telling you, "Hey, you got to get moving." And you're kind of looking at him like, "I oh, well, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm trying," but I think they just wanted to to shake things up. You know, the Barracuda are definitely struggling, and maybe they see, uh, why well, I, I never said who they, who they caught back. Now that I'm realizing, uh, Kyle, Chris Cuolo from Grand Rapids, a 30 year old, uh, you know, in comparison to Weatherby, definitely better stats. Uh, last year in the AHL, he had 39 points in 57 games. This year so far, 10 points in 28 games. Uh, I think we were just kind of looking for a 
bit of a veteran presence on the Barracuda. You know, obviously the, the AHL team, is, as most teams are, are very young. I think having Agazino is a good, you know, leader, leadership, whatever, you know, if you want to say both of those words, you could say. But he's a good leader for the team, and I think they also want someone who can produce because the Barracuda, up until when they beat uh, Abbotsford in their last game, they were really struggling, and I think they're just trying to shake things up. You know, I I, I personally would have liked to to see the Sharks wait on Weatherby. Uh, you know, only his, his second year playing in, in the big leagues, and um, just a, a bit of a bummer to see him go. I was excited to see what he was going to do. You know, a big forward, a big body, something that I think the Sharks could use when they eventually will pull up Eklund and Borgelow. But I guess that's just not what management and Mike Greer saw, so off they send him. Uh, Kyle, Kyle, my goodness, Kyle Criscolo, however the heck you say his name, I'm gonna, uh, I'm not gonna go too deep into it. Um, he's had a fairly decent career. Uh, ma- majority of it spent in the AHL, so he definitely knows his way around the American Hockey League. Been to a pretty decent amount of teams over the years. Uh, yeah, I just um, I think he's gonna be fun to watch for the Barracuda. There's a, but there's potential for him to be pulled up to the Sharks I don't really know if they've discussed it because you know there's a lot of forwards that they could pull up they won't pull up Borgelow and Eklund because they want them to stay in the minors and develop and if they go in the NHL they could get hurt and the Sharks are going to do anything to avoid that at all costs but guys like uh, CJ Seuss as we saw VL got pulled up for a game but I think I, I think they're just trying to beef up the Barracuda, make them a, a competitive team in the organization because the Sharks definitely have enough fourth-line guys you know, circulating between scratches and playing in the, in the normal NHL games. So I think they're just trying to beef up the Barracuda, you know, get them a couple of wins and bring up the, uh, bring up the happiness level or the morale for the team and hopefully they can get some wins together. And when you really start playing well, that, that's when you're – Development starts to take off, and that's what they want to see for most of the AHL team. So, definitely something that is uh, uh, fun to, to look forward to. Or fun to look forward to. E- exciting to look forward to for the Barracuda. Uh, yeah, and the second trade also with Grand Rapids sent Patrick McGrath. I almost forgot how to say his name. Patrick McGrath over to Grand Rapids for future considerations, meaning that they're going to give us someone or a draft pick or or some valuable asset in return for McGrath in the near future uh we only signed him this year so he hasn't even had a had a full year with the organization yet and um you know I I like the way that he played he he was physical played big God's body in there and you know like I mean I talk about that on on almost every episode but that's the style of hockey that I like to see and the style of, the, of hockey that I think the Sharks lack and that's why they're Lacking in the standings on both the Barracuda and the and and the Sharks because they just they just don't play physical enough. The Barracuda definitely play more physical than the Sharks, which I think has to change. Um, and just not even more so playing physical, just being very, you know, very hard on, on the forecheck, being a, aggressive, and just the Barracuda do that. And I feel like the Sharks don't always do that. A lot of their goals come come from bringing it up into the rush, which is good. That's how you get a lot of goals, but. A lot of times they'll they'll get scored on. They'll have a great opportunity because they're not aggressive enough in the offensive zone. They turn it over, and then whoever they're playing goes right back down to their end and scores on Reimer or Kakinen, who you know it's like a two on zero or three on two or two on one where the defenseman can only do so much. 
They leave one guy open and the puck's in the back of the net. So, yeah, I I think uh, having <coughs> sorry having uh, uh, Patrick McGrath, my God, uh, leaving the Barracuda is going to hurt him a little bit. But bringing in, oh my God, I can't say his name still. Uh, uh, Chris Guolo. I'm just going to act like I'm saying right. I could be butchering it if he ever hears it, which I doubt it. But if he ever hears this, I'm sorry for butchering your your name, Kyle. <laughs> it's uh, you know, hopefully bringing him him in, like I said, gets the morale up and they win games. Uh, hopefully, whatever Grand Rapids gives us for Patrick M- McGrath in the near future is is a you know decent of decent value. He wasn't worth a whole lot of value since he wasn't a high scoring player, but even just like a lower end draft pick, you know, another prospect to bring in into the mix. You know, as we see, Joe Pavelski was a seventh round pick. I want to say Nabokov was a sixth or seventh round pick, and look at how good they turned out. So you never know what you're going to get with those draft picks, and hopefully, and and if it is a player, hopefully it's somewhat decent that'll also help out the Barracuda. But uh, yeah, just going to end that segment of the podcast by saying farewell to Weatherby. And Patrick McGrath, and thank you for your time in the organization, and one day they could be back. So we'll just have to wait and see. And and good luck on the rest of their careers. And the last part of the podcast is the Sharks game last night against Dallas. Uh, That was very, very well played by the Sharks. Um, You know, Carlson putting up four points. Reimer playing good for two games in a row, actually. The only reason the Sharks were able to force that game to a shootout against New Jersey was because of James Reimer. He was the backbone there. You know, over 40 shots for the Devils, and he only let in three goals. Uh, Very solid games for him in in the past, two. I wouldn't be surprised if they put in Kakinen against Columbus on Saturday just because Reimer's been playing so good for these past two games. He's probably overworked, probably a little tired. But there also is that that two-game stretch in between instead of the one-game stretch because today is only Thursday. So, uh, you know, it's uh, it, it's going to be fun to see who they put in goal. And I think Kakinen having rest wants to prove himself. And Reimer wants to keep this nice hot hot streak alive that he has right now. So it's uh, whoever is in net, I, I have confidence, especially against a team like Columbus, you know, currently last in, in the league. I think those are points that, that the Sharks should definitely try and take, uh, you know, because they're still – they're still less than 20 points out of the wild card spot, which is a big gap. Don't get me wrong, but if the Sharks start rolling and the Flames or Oilers start falling, all of a sudden, playoff spot's looking real nice. But but, but they just got to play like they did against Dodds last night. It, maybe not every game because it's hard to keep up like that, but most games they really have to turn it on because they played good. You know, going down 3 nothing, I thought they were out of it. And then they scored uh, two, two quick ones, got right on them, didn't. Didn't let off the gas at all. Scored that third one on, on the power play. Pretty funny hearing everyone yell, shoot the puck. And when they finally do, it ends up going in. So <laughs> that should tell them right there to shoot the, the freaking puck. And as they saw, it it works. And Carlson with an absolutely great shot. Uh, you know, ripping it top corner. Ottinger had no chance. Kind of stuck up in the net because of how hard it was. Uh, you know, I, as I've said almost every episode, great to see Carlson playing like this. 62 games. Sorry, 62 points in 46 games. Uh, definitely James Norris stat. Uh, or uh, uh, James Norris stat totals, I should say. And, yeah, I think the team as a whole, they just look good. They were making really good passes. They were playing good defense. Even on, on the goals that Dallas scored, one of them being a power play goal, tough to fend off that one. But, I mean, they were able to, to shut down some of their, their big names. You know, Robertson only had one goal. Jamie Benn only had one assist. 
uh, both Tyler Sagan and Joe Pavelski had zero points, and I believe he, um, Miro Heiskanen did have one assist. But again, shutting down their their big guys, even though their their third and fourth line guys did step up and get them three goals, it's still big because when you can shut down their their big guys, as as we saw, you know, you're able to get that one five three. Uh, yeah, I I just even against the the Devils again. Reimer was a really really big reason in why they were in that game for so long, but uh, you, you know they just played really good. They 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 played good defense. They were good on the puck, as I just said. They were good off the puck. Goaltending, as I just said as well, was really good. They've just in these past few games, you know, I I I think they kind of had a had a bid or bid sorry uh big talk over that that loss against Edmonton, that big seven one one that we all never want to talk about again. And I think they kind of had that choice of all right. Well, let's play to the play to the level of our opponents. And when you beat or or when you when you take the third best team in the league to a shootout, and you and you beat the fourth best team in the league in regulation, I'd say that's a that's a pretty good last home stand kind kind of stretch. And they can take that into this big road trip that they have. And you know, it's just you. They don't got to win eight straight, but they only have to win two or three straight. You know, maybe you lose one. You lose one in overtime, and you win a couple. Maybe you lose a couple. Then you win a couple, and you lose one in overtime. They just can't go on these huge, huge losing streaks of four or five games, and maybe one of those is a um, you know overtime win. So in, in in five games, they got one point. Like you know, they got to they got to just they just have to you know if they play five games, I I think they're capable of winning two, losing one in overtime, losing the other two. And that's five points in five games. It's not ideal, but it's miles and miles better of what they're doing right now. And I think, like I said, if they play like they did against Dallas and New Jersey, that would be absolutely huge. Well, I think that's going to end it for this week's podcast episode. Uh, as always, be sure to follow the Instagram and the, and the Twitter at SJ Sharks Coverage for all of your Sharks news, updates, trades, signings, scores records, anything, I have it on there. And as always, go Sharks. Thanks for listening.